0: Today, I'm speaking with Juliana Rising, an undergraduate student at The Ohio State University. In this episode, we'll be discussing modern dating culture and the use of dating apps like Tinder, which boasts 75 million monthly users. Most of those are young. It's commonplace on college campuses, but also outside of them as well. We'll also be talking about feminism, what society deems feminist and what it doesn't. Like most topics on the show, these are both relevant to college campuses, but they underlie a lot of society's value structures, and so they're important in and outside of academia. I'm looking forward to the discussion. I think it'll be a good topic. Uh, Juliana, thanks for coming on.
1: Thank you for having me.
0: Of course. So let's just jump right in. So with dating culture, what is it that you see on a college campus? What is the dating culture? What do you see people using? Are people exclusively using dating apps or is it some combination of that and I guess quote unquote normal dating uh, situations?
1: Yeah, so what I've seen to be normal and I'm only a second year, so I haven't been on the college scene and not on like a normal college scene yet this year, since I'm in the time of COVID here on campus. But as far as what seems to be the norm, it is definitely very dating app heavy. It's just kind of like assumed that most people are on them have at least one, if not a few different kinds that they jump in between. And then uh, the, the dating scene, I feel like is also dominated by like who you meet when you go out, who you meet when you go to bars and places like that. Obviously, that's not really a scene that I'm part of either, but um, that seems to be the dominant form of uh, meeting people to date is through apps.
0: Mm-hmm. As far as the relationships or the encounters and all of that 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 comes from these da- dating apps, how does that seem to you? Is it still, I mean, does it seem like people take it seriously? Are people really aiming for a serious relationship out of these apps? Or is it more so hookup culture and, you know, more casual relationships that you see on college campuses?
1: Yeah, I think that's a good question. I definitely, um, it's definitely hard to generalize, but I would say that um, dating apps have been a way, mostly, especially on college campuses, for people to have a more low-key, chill kind of hookup time with people as opposed to actually forming connections and getting to know a person and having like a meaningful long-term relationship. And I think that um, dating apps as a whole, I used a few of them for a couple of months um, about a year ago before I decided that it wasn't really for me. Um, What I noticed was that it's so hard to form a relationship when all you're basing your attraction to that person off of is their their physical appearance and then also i don't know what the maximum word limit is in a a bio but like i don't know 200 words 100 words so i feel like it just feels like shopping in a weird way like you just kind of browse and click and you swipe and you just keep going and you only pick what what attracts you in the moment and i just feel like that leads to a lot of like shallow i don't know i feel like it's more of a shallow idea and I understand that people can make meaningful relationships with dating apps again it's so hard to generalize when talking about um, something like this but what has kind of formed out of it as a whole I believe is less people are looking for personality less people are looking to commit uh, more people are looking for just like a quick hookup and I just think that that kind of takes away your relationships with other people and then something else I think about dating apps is that it's also really hard to form meaningful connections with people when you are only meeting them and interacting with them on the pretense of either dating or sex. So I think that that also has um, a big effect on how you see a person and how they see you and how your relationship kind of moves forward. You know, some people, it's like some people don't see eye to eye on how a relationship should move forward. Some people don't see eye to eye on a lot of different factors in a relationship. So when you're getting together with someone on a dating app, there's a lot that you don't know about that person. So I just say it's a, it's a tricky situation.
0: Yeah. So, so what's the alternative? So being in, being a college student, you said that you're not on dating apps anymore. You maybe tried them out. Wasn't your thing. What's, so you're in a committed relationship right now. How did you, how did you find your significant other, if not from a dating app? And what do you think, I guess, what do you think is the benefit of pursuing a relationship in these other ways outside of Tinder or Bumble or Hinge or whatever else?
1: I think you're going to get a better experience and you're going to get, um, you're gonna get to know a person better if you're in person. And uh, I know that that's really difficult considering the circumstances right now, but I got very lucky with um, how I met my significant other. We uh, met at work. So I work on mm-hmm. a dining hall on the campus and obviously I interact with tons and tons of, of people every day that's a really good way for people to meet each other. I know quite a few couples who have met kind of in that college campus work scene. But obviously, yeah, like I said, it's really hard to have those in-person interactions sometimes, but if you're on a college campus, I would definitely suggest like getting involved in clubs and organizations that have to do with the things that you're interested in. I think that's and some for some people that's like a sorority or fraternity, but I'm not in a sorority. So I can't really speak to what that scene is really like with all the socials and how they kind of meet with people and get to know others and stuff. I am in a few other clubs that are um, all related to my major. And that's been a really good way um, to meet people as well. And then obviously in your in-person classes, that is another really good way to just kind of chat with people and figure out assignments and kind of work together and then get to know each other on a more personal level. So I do, I like getting to know someone better um, in person first, I would say, and maybe kind of starting out as friends and starting out just more casually. So that pressure of dating that you have when you start on Tinder or you start on another dating app isn't there.
0: So let's talk about one ramification of this, I guess, because we've talked about the ease with which you can you know, swipe left or right on these people with, with dating apps, and it becomes much more shallow and it becomes much more, you know, upfront about, well, it's a dating app. So I'm either here to date or have sex or whatever else. Um, It's also made the other components of dating a little more efficient, for lack of a better way to phrase this, a little more efficiency focused as well. I mean, with stuff like ghosting, um, you were talking about, working at the same place as your significant other or meeting people at clubs or or organizations or extracurriculars things like that if you do that route then it's a lot harder to just up and leave or it's a lot harder to just ignore someone if things aren't working out or if you know there's a problem in your relationship if the relationship needs to end if whatever it may be Because otherwise you you either leave the club entirely or you leave the job entirely or sit awkwardly and silently around this person forever now um, in that environment. And so what we see with dating apps and even outside of dating apps to an extent is you see this ghosting, right? Where someone will just disappear, delete your number, delete your messages, unmatch whatever else. And then they're nowhere to be found. You can't reach them. And not only do you not get closure about the relationship, but it's just turned off like that immediately. If we start seeing this happen more often, if we start seeing more people turning to the dating apps and we start seeing more people, I guess, depending on the ease and the efficiency of it and resorting to things like ghosting or, or a more shallow outlook on what they're looking for in a partner or a relationship, what other sorts of things i mean ghosting is one example but what do you think are the ramifications of handling dating in this way we've talked a little bit about you know not being serious or not finding things that are serious but but do you think that this can lead to any other i guess unforeseen complications like ghosting or like other things
1: yeah i think that's a good point um yeah, there's definitely like like you said the ease of just kind of kind of like cutting someone off and ending it but another thing to keep in mind with dating apps, especially when you're using them on a college campus, is that a lot of people in your region are also right around you. So I've definitely had my fair share of passing by or bumping into people that I had met on dating apps because even though OSU's population is 45,000 in a normal year, it's something crazy like that, you would be surprised how many People you maybe don't want to see that you would run into, into on a regular basis anyway. So there's always that. You know, even if you do meet them online and you then something goes wrong and then you're not seeing that person anymore, there's still that chance of running into them. But um, yeah, I the, the idea of ghosting it, it's another it's another difficult idea because um, obviously there are many reasons and many many motives behind why you would ghost someone ranging from something serious like oh well they were really creepy or you know this really didn't click or this is really a red flag for me and I've just got to end it right now and I can't even bother explaining it but then there are other people who kind of use that idea a little more loosely and a little more nonchalantly and if it's like oh well, you know I'm just not interested or oh you've got this little thing about you that I'm not really a big fan of and then that's just the end of it. And I think that's where it kind of gets problematic because I do believe that honesty is really important when it comes to dating. I feel like you always want to be as upfront with a person as possible. So I am not a big fan of ghosting for smaller reasons because I feel like, you know, if there's a small problem or something like that, instead of just deciding to call it quits, there can always be a conversation if if you believe that that's what's right for you. But I also believe that ghosting is kind of contributing to maybe that like, I don't want to go as far as to say like commitment phobic world we've kind of created now, but just the idea that less people are serious about their interactions with people and about their relationships. So I think ghosting factors into that because everyone in their lives is like seen as temporary and you can just kind of get rid of them, like you said, with one click or one unmatch or one swipe. So there are definitely a lot of different um, dimensions to it. But as a whole, when I think of ghosting, I think of it as like a a negative thing, like an unfair kind of shallow, um, like fast response thing.
0: Well, and to sort of bridge the two topics um, that we were going to talk about today and to, I don't know if I'm playing devil's advocate with this or not, but some proponents of dating apps and this, I guess, method or or type of dating would argue that, it, that that's a good thing, that it is... Mm-hmm. It's freeing. It gives you choice. It gives you the ability to do all of this, uh, you know, at your own pace, at your own time, whatever else. But there is the idea that dating apps and similar mechanisms can make it easier, so to speak, to, I don't know, push back against the patriarchy and that a dating app will allow a woman to do something different. if She wants to seek multiple sexual partners, she's able to, and she's free to do that now. If she wants to have something more casual or seek out someone who is going to accommodate a less stereotypically feminine life that she wants to pursue, she can do that now and and all of these things. But obviously, as we've pointed out, there's a lot of problems to these dating apps. There's a lot of problems to the the hookup culture that it kind of engenders and the cultural and, and value level issues that it brings up in society. So getting into the conversation on feminism and sort of what society does and does not consider feminist, I guess before we jump in, what's your definition for feminism and what do you think is quote unquote society's definition? Like, do you think that there's, when we're talking about this, how do you perceive it and how do you think other people are perceiving it?
1: I think it's, um, it's a word and it's an idea that's different for everybody. So it's, um, it's hard to come up with one true definition of it, especially since there have been different waves of feminism over time and they've developed different ideas over time. But in general, I feel like, I feel like feminism is just, um, a word that means getting society to look at women in a more equal and just way. And, um, that can count for a lot of different aspects that can count for, you know, socially, which could definitely um, incorporate what you said about dating apps, about having that choice and maybe wanting a, not a more non-traditional relationship or wanting um, to um, have more control over the way um, someone's dating life goes. But then it also has to do with like like women's rights to vote or in certain countries like drive or just do even basic stuff like that. Um, but just I feel like to get it's to give women more of a say and to make sure that their voices can be heard in different aspects of society.
0: Sure. And I mean, you' you're not wrong. Even within each of those waves, there have always been different groups or sects that would hold different definitions or different approaches. And you'd have certain groups that do think that it's a mission to achieve equal rights, equal treatments, and things like that. And then others that were, more adamant that that's not enough and that equal treatment equal rights are not enough and that things like unconscious or subconscious bias or quote unquote patriarchal structures in society would make it so that, that if you make men and women equal in opportunity that too many women will still pursue the quote unquote status quo they'll still pursue the more feminine roles or they'll pursue the homemaker role And that then gets into the more radical stance that instead of providing equal treatment or equal opportunity that one should either encourage or force, depending on how radical the person may be, women to subscribe to a non-typical approach right? and and Mm -hmm. persuade women to pursue avenues that may make things more equitable or equal or whatever. So this gets into this, some a comment you had made to me that you felt uncomfortable discussing your relationship goals and your way of handling all of this. We've already talked about how you have a different approach to dating that you didn't use the dating apps really. And you wanted to pursue something a little more typical for lack of a, lack of a better word or more serious mm-hmm. or more involved. Tell us a little bit about that feeling of, not wanting to talk about that with others, or not wanting to talk about having a serious relationship, or wanting children, or or be doing these things because of the perception that it may be considered anti-feminist.
1: Yeah sure, and um, just to go back to your previous question for a second, to add on to what I feel is my definition of um, feminism, I think like being able to feel like an individual is really important too, and to be able to feel like, like you said, like you you can pursue your own avenues and you can um, figure out what you want to do and not have to worry about how people are going to look at you for it and not be barred by um, like different gender inequalities. So that was just um, my, another take on that. But um, as far as my experience with how, how that all applies to me or how, um, sort of the media's interpretation of feminism affects uh, the way I I look at things or feel like I can um, say things in conversation. I do, I feel like some of my opinions and some of the um, mindsets that I've had about relationships and and my being a woman, I do. I think that people would kind of look down on me at times or think that I'm playing into the patriarchy because I do. I would prefer a serious relationship. And I do, uh, when I was on those um, dating apps or trying to meet people, I wanted a serious relationship and I didn't think anything else of it because for me, I value, you know, human to human connection over anything else. Like, you know, when I think about what I would want in a partner, everything that comes to mind first is personality based. And it's, for me, it's more about that connection to that person instead of um, like having, like engaging in hookup culture. And I feel like that alone is weird for me as a college student to say, because um, you hear so many stories about like, oh, well, you know, you're in college. And now you can get wild. Now you can do whatever you want. And you do not have your parents around and you can just go to whoever and do whatever you want. And that's never been an appealing idea to me. Um, I had a friend last year who just, <laughs> opened up a wealth of doors as far as information and opinions about college life or what college life should be in her opinion. And a lot of it was based around hooking up with random dudes and going to bars and doing whatever and having sex on the first date and then like ghosting or just things like that. And um, I do, I feel like a lot of those traditional, well, not traditional, currently normal ideas go against what I believe to be personally fulfilling to me. Yeah. So I don't, I don't really, I never wanted to engage in that whole like hookup culture, especially during COVID. I feel like that's <laughs> not to mention not the best idea, but um, barring that. Yeah. So, and then another thing to touch on your other point uh, that I've always Been excited to become a mother. That's something that's always been really important and um, a really important part of my future. And obviously, today we're seeing a lot of people are having kids later in life or not having kids at all. And I've always felt excited to embark on that chapter in my life ever since I was, you know, really little, like taking care of my baby dolls. That was just kind of part of who I was and who I felt like I wanted to be. So I do. I I feel like that, for lack of a better phrase, makes me less of a feminist because I, you know, that's one of those, you know, traditional homemaker woman roles is like, you know, having babies and then being in charge of taking care of those said children and taking care of the home. And it's not that I would, I don't strive to be a stay at home mom. I have my other career aspirations and those things that, like I said, make me an individual. So I do, but I still believe that when I talk about wanting children or looking forward to that part in my life, and I'm not saying it's going to be tomorrow, you know, I understand that I'm still young for all of that. And I still have a lot ahead of me before I make those decisions. I do. I feel like um, I get judged when I say stuff like that, because for me, it's it's not about having, it's not about me wanting a traditional housewife role. It's about, you know, wanting to have my own child and raise my own child and have that connection and have a family. Um, But it wouldn't take away from my career aspirations or my status as a woman just because I feel like I would want children or don't mind cleaning or don't mind cooking or whatever. And I, I feel like another thing about how society views that is a little twisted because, you know, if I were to say like, oh yeah, I'm looking forward to having kids and they're like, you are really blah, blah, blah. And then it uh, turns into a whole conversation about how like, I should want to be independent and I should not want to, I shouldn't want to have a man. I shouldn't want to engage in any of those normal old school behaviors. And I just think that that's, you know, everyone, everyone is different. Everyone's got their own ways of thinking and everyone's got their own little pieces of the future. And I feel like, society has gotten better with parental roles and how those have changed over time as well. So it isn't always falling on the mother to take on everything because, you know, when you have a child, if whether, you know, whether you are in a traditional like same-sex relationship or you have that child has two moms or two dads or maybe one mom or one dad, like whatever the combination or, you know, however the parental situation is, you expect, those parents to be all in and that should apply to anyone in, in that family and not just the mom or not just one person. It should be, it should be equal. So I feel like that's another thing to add onto that idea of the traditional housewife, stay at home, raise the kids kind of idea.
0: The one thing that you mentioned that I wanted to come back to this idea of being in an individual and going into college and being able to let loose and maybe party or go crazy and all of that, you know, it's sort of rooted in the idea that, well, yeah, you're quote unquote on your own. Now you're able to, you're not living with parents anymore. You're off to college, this new part of your life and you can let loose and do what you as an individual want. But then we still see situations like this come up to where You as the individual went to college, wanted to pursue a more serious relationship and ultimately, eventually down the road, want to pursue being a mother and now feel the pressure from the, I guess, for lack of a better word, the collective, the group, the the people that are around you. So how do you square this difference between kind of the pursuit of individuality on college campuses, you know, everyone wants to find themselves and, and, and go a little crazy and do things they weren't allowed and be an individual for the first time in their life. But then there's still this idea of groupthink, I suppose, in certain aspects like this and certain aspects like what is or is not feminist or what is or is not socially acceptable or, or what have you. So do you think that both of those come up? Together on college campuses, do you see other instances where one or the other kind of plays out a little more? Or do you think it's just people being young and confused and not really knowing what to do in life and doing a little of both?
1: Yeah, I think everyone kind of falls into certain trends or picks up things in college because of their friends and because of the people that they're around that maybe they don't really see themselves continuing or didn't really see themselves doing before. Because there is there's still, you know, a lot of peer pressure and a lot of like, oh, well, if this is normal, then like I should at least try it or I I should at least give it a shot so I can look like I fit in so I can be a normal college kid. I think in that it is it's it's definitely a mix of like you figuring out. What you want, but then you're also kind of led around by what society wants you to do or what the people around you want you to do, because um, that's part of how your decision making works too. If you are an individual, I guess you can individually decide to follow the crowd and be happy with it. You know, that's why I ended up on dating apps for a couple months in the first place is because I was swayed by my one friend who was like, "Oh, but it's so easy and just go for it and like you're so pretty and it'll be fine and like just go for it and Figure it out, and it'll be so great for you, and it'll be so much fun. And just try it. So, I did. You know, I tried it, and I met some people who were really nice, and I met some people who were not so nice. And um, I was only on those apps for a couple of months before I decided that it really wasn't for me. But you know, I did. I played into the, I played into that culture for a little while, but still kept my own values about how I wanted a relationship to play out or how I wanted those steps to be taken while I was. Um, while I was going on those dates or while I was messaging those people, I still stayed very grounded in my own morals. And um, I still navigated according to the way that I felt was appropriate for um, for what I wanted out of um, those experiences.
0: So what do you think going forward? How do you think we solve some of these issues? I mean, there's obviously a number of things that could or may or have already been tried to, to address some of these issues. Um, there's tons of layers to this, whether, whether it's legal or philosophical or whatever. And I don't expect either one of us to come up with the solution in in one, one interview, but, but going forward, how do you see, I mean, these dating apps, they, people love efficiency. People love the, the ability to have something at, quite literally at your fingertips like this. Mm-hmm. So it's going to keep proliferating. I don't, I don't imagine that we will live in a world 10 years from now without dating apps or with less pervasive dating apps. And I feel like the same could be said, at least on some level, about differing perceptions or definitions when it comes to things like feminism or things like what, what's acceptable, so to speak, to strive for in your relationships or in your, in your life goals regarding this stuff. And so addressing this as a society, is this something that you think can be happen can be handled rather at the level of the college or at the, the areas or spheres where these kinds of cultures, these things are taking off and occurring? Do you, or do you think this is something that's more deeply rooted and, you know, in order for us to address it, it's going to take a more philosophical, religious, value-based, or what have you, approach, as opposed to a more targeted, you know, tell the college kids to do this kind of attitude. What do you think we do going forward to address some of this stuff?
1: That's definitely a good thought-provoking question there, Um, because I'm a big fan of talking to people and, you know, forming a relationship and getting that face to face interaction without, like I said, without the pressure of dating through an app. I think that a lot of people really don't want to play into that. And that's fine. You know, if that's what you want to do, then that's what you want to do. And you know you you can just work on finding the people that do align with your beliefs. And maybe that will maybe for someone who is a little more like me and values a more serious relationship or values an emotional connection over a, a physical or sexual one. Maybe you do find your person on a dating app, but you found that person because you were honest with each other and because maybe you started off slow and then you didn't really hype yourselves up too much or go too fast or whatever you want to say about how dating progression works for you. I think it's about meeting those like-minded people. And I do think that, like I said, dating apps can be good for that because you can, you can find people right in their bio, it'll say, you know, looking for a hookup and then you go, okay, nope, no, thanks. Not that person. But the people that don't say that or say they want a serious relationship, then you can sort of, I don't know, it's, it is, it's the whole like filtering through people and that efficiency and trying to figure out what a person's all about right away based on one page of information. So that's going to come with some consequences, but you know, you'll see you'll see some things about them initially that will help you decide if you think that they're a good fit for you. I really wish that people would (laughs) not like, you know, put down their dang phones and talk to each other or whatever, but I think that's really important. I think being able to remove yourself from that screen and removing yourself from that like, you know, that screen persona and how you interact with others differently if you're in person than if you're Snapchatting them. So I, I think that real connection is is definitely an important factor in changing that. Obviously, we're in a difficult time for that right now. So it's really about making the most out of any opportunity to talk to people and get to know people. And it is, it's hard. It's hard sometimes to break out of your shell and just chat with someone. And that can go for anything. That can go for friends. That can go for finding a romantic partner that applies to anything. Talking to people is hard. It can be awkward. It can be a little nerve-wracking, um, especially in the times of COVID. I feel like that's added another layer of awkwardness that no one really wants to that no one really wants to face. So it's about breaking out of your comfort zone to see what really is good for you and kind of exploring what you want to explore, but not limiting yourself too much to your phone and to a dating app and to one page of a person.
0: These conversations are important. And so I appreciate you coming on and having it and giving your personal takes on a lot of this stuff and your sharing your experiences. Uh, I'm happy to hear that you were willing to share your aspirations of having children here and your aspirations of being a mother and having a serious relationship here. Um, hopefully, that's something that becomes more acceptable to talk about openly. Everywhere sooner rather than later. I mean, it's it is sad to know that aspirations like that are condemned or you know not not as freely shared. Uh, I wanted to turn it over to you one last time before we close, um, just to see if there's anything else you thought that we overlooked, any topics that we didn't touch on that you think are important to mention in this conversation. Uh, if there are any topics that we did cover but maybe not quite enough or not in the right way, um, or if you have any. Parting thoughts or messages on these topics, or what you would want to tell the listeners. Um, just one last opportunity to say what needs saying before we close the episode. So the floor is yours if you have anything else to add.
1: Thank you for giving me the space to um, to talk about some of these beliefs that I feel uncomfortable sharing in public, or even with you know not just my peers but with friends and with people that I regard as close to me. So um, I do really appreciate that, and I appreciate what your um, podcast does. But um, yeah, I do. I think it's really important kind of to tie in both my opinions on dating culture and then feminist and me sometimes thinking of myself as anti-feminist for my more traditional aspirations. Um, I think at the end, the most important thing is to just not judge, which I I know is kind of difficult to say in so many different situations, because we're all going to have our opinions on what we think is right or wrong or good for society or bad for society. But, you know, at the end of the day, I think you should just Be your own person and do what you want in life and find the people that make you happy and surround yourself with who you feel loved by, and who you feel comfortable with and people that you want to spend your time with. So I think at the end of the day, that's the most important part about it. And basically what your podcast stands for is to be able to kind of strive to talk about these things that are a little harder to talk about, whether you're on my side of things or whether you're on the opposite side of things. Like I said, I, I had a friend last year who was very into hookup culture and very into the snappy efficiency of ghosting and dating apps. So, you never know who you're going to who you're going to meet or what they're going to throw at you or make you think about. So, I do I think that keeping in mind that you are your own person and everyone else is their own person too. So, I think that's that's really important.
0: Thank you so much for coming on and talking about these topics. Like I said, they're important conversations to have and I'm glad that we were able to. And I don't get to do this enough in Michigan, so I'll leave with OH.
1: IO. Uh, thank you.
0: Have you ever noticed that the most important topics are also the hardest to talk about? Whether it's politics, religion, money, or culture, you're more likely to get in an argument than to have a genuine civil conversation. On Say What Needs Saying, we tackle these touchy topics and bring listeners on live to discuss them with us. We're pushing back against cancel culture and censorship and bringing back free speech and civil discourse. Listen to our previous discussions wherever you find your podcasts, on YouTube, or on our website at saywhatneedsaying.com. And join us live for the next one so that you can say what needs saying too.